This podcast is brought to you by the Dunfield Retirement Residence, a casually elegant retirement community located at Young and Eglinton in the heart of Midtown Toronto. Customized living options complement your independent, active lifestyle. Learn more at thedunfield.com. Blessings, and we can send it all together. Mazel tov. That's what it sounded like a few weeks ago in the Manitoba legislature, as Anita Neville was sworn in as the province's new lieutenant governor. She's the first Jewish person to hold the job in her province, and right now she's the only serving Jewish vice regal of the crown in Canada. Neville insisted on making a statement about her faith and culture, and so she swore her oath on a Hebrew Bible. She spoke about being the daughter of Russian Jewish immigrants to Winnipeg's North End and the barriers for Jews in those days due to anti-Semitism. Then she had her rabbi, Annabel Mass, give a mighty series of blasts on a long, curvy shofar. Neville served as school board chair, then as a Liberal MP in Winnipeg South Centre for 11 years. She's very involved in her synagogue, the Jewish Heritage Centre, and she's been a strong supporter of Israel, plus a champion for Indigenous reconciliation and the rights of women. She's 80 years old, and she really wasn't expecting to get the Prime Minister's call offering her the job. But she's faced ageism before. When she was running for re-election at age 68, her Conservative rivals smeared her, saying Neville was, quote, past her expiry date. I know that the Jewish community, I just know because of what I've received, has been very happy and very pleased with my appointment, and I feel the responsibility of it, let me tell you. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Tuesday, November the 15th, 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. Later today, Tuesday, Anita Neville will find herself in the spotlight as the rookie lieutenant governor reads the Conservative Party's speech from the throne to mark the start of a new session in the Manitoba legislature. She admits it's a big learning curve as she figures out what's expected of her and how she can put her own stamp on the office, and that includes installing a mezuzah when she moves into the century-old government mansion in Winnipeg. Coming up, we'll chat with Neville about why she took the job, even though she wasn't first choice. Stay tuned right after this message. Did you know April 2023 is Israel's 75th anniversary? In honor of this huge milestone, UJA Federation of Greater Toronto is planning an epic trip to Israel, and all of Canada is invited. Israel's anniversary, Yom Ha'atzma'ut, is a one-of-a-kind experience. Streets are filled with parties, fireworks, music, and dancing. On UJA's Israel 75, you'll get to join the celebration. 75 is not a regular anniversary, and Israel 75 is not your typical trip. You'll get a truly unique experience of the country, no matter how many times you've been before. With 10 specialized tracks, you can create an itinerary that is totally personalized, whether you're a foodie, an adrenaline seeker, a TV buff, or politically minded. 
The best part? You can mix and match tracks on different days. Embark on a thrilling adventure one day and a culinary experience the next. Let your own interests be your guide and experience everything Israel has to offer. To learn more about the trip, visit UJAIsrael75.com. That's UJAIsrael75.com. And joining me now is the Honorable Anita Neville from Winnipeg. It's great to meet you. Congratulations. I, call, I have to call you your honor now. Two and a half weeks ago, we didn't. <laughs> so it's all fresh. Can you tell me about how you put the ceremony together to have Jewish flavor, Jewish elements, what you asked them to do? I thought about it a lot. I wanted it to be uh, the community, the larger community of Manitoba, to be aware of who I am and where I came from. Um, I don't think I was over the top. I deliberately incorporated into my own speech the concepts of tikkun olam and sadaka, which are easy to do and to understand. In my own speech, I gave a little bit of a history of where I came from um, without, I think, being too much in one's face about it. There was no question in my mind that when it came time to it for an invocation, that I would ask the rabbi of my synagogue to do that. And he did, and as you're probably aware, he blew the shofar. And I was a little anxious about that, to be perfectly honest, but it was quite magnificent. I watched it. Why Why do you, were you anxious about it? Because everyone's worried when people don't blow shofar clearly and then it looks bad, or another reason? Uh, no, I just I didn't know whether... How it would how it would come off? I really just didn't know how it would come off. He did a magnificent job. You know that blowing a shofar is not an easy task, and he did it beautifully. He spoke beautifully, and I think he brought honor to the ceremony and certainly to the community. Was there anything else you wanted in the ceremony? My two concerns with the ceremony is that there be some Jewish content and that there be uh, an Indigenous content, which had not been done in the past in Manitoba, as far as I could tell. Um, We had originally intended that there be another woman drumming, and she became ill that morning. So we had an elder who did bring a drum, and she was great. They called you auntie in uh, in her speech, the um, invocation from the Indigenous um, participant. So uh, what what went through your mind? I know Elder Laramie from a very long time. I hadn't seen her for a very long time. I was quite stunned because to use the term auntie for a non-Indigenous person is um, very meaningful and very powerful. It was It was very moving for me. Well, one of the things that we should talk about is your mandate, of course, um, and before you got into this job, was very heavily involved with truth and reconciliation, of course, missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. Where do you see your role in continuing this work now that you're sitting in the vice regal chair there? It's interesting that you ask that because I'm thinking about it a lot. Um, I said in my installation speech, and I mean it, I don't want to be prescriptive. I want to talk to some of the people I know in the community, both men and women in the Indigenous community. Uh, The role of the left-handed governor, as you're well aware, is not political. 
but it is, does provide an opportunity in a forum to bring people together and to exchange ideas. I want to, um, I want to talk to young people, both Indigenous and non-Indigenous, to see how we can marry their concerns and their interests, if that's possible. Um, so I'm really just feeling my way right now. Um, I want to talk a bit about the fact that your ceremony came just days before something very significant. I'm sure you know where I'm going with this for the Jewish community of Manitoba. And the, pre- the uh, Premier Stephenson declared, uh, and they did adopt the Arab definition of anti-Semitism. Was you involved at all in that no. behind the scenes? No. Not at all. And what no. signal does it send in, in, in your mind? I don't know that it was a particular signal related to my, maybe I'm being naive, uh, to my installation. I think it is something that the government was probably considering, as most governments uh, across the country have been. Um, I was pleased to see it. I've been very involved with the Jewish Heritage Centre of Western Canada. And as you may know, the executive director there has been very involved in the casting and promotion of that. So from that perspective, I was very pleased, but I was just pleased to see it happen. So to have a Jewish LG now and the IRA definition, it's it's a big step. For the Jewish community, it is a signal of positive acceptance, integration, not that it wasn't there before, but it's... um, a kind of stamp, like, uh, it's like getting a check mark. I was going to ask you about being such a public figure now with rising anti-Semitism. What worries do you have about being a target now? Do I worry about it? I don't. It's not top of mind with of my worries, but it's something I think about and wonder about. Certainly, as an MP, I had not a lot, but I did have some instances of hate mail and um, some unpleasant instances. It wasn't widespread, but I had it. And I don't know. We'll have to wait and see what happens. Why did you take the job? Good question. Um, It was not a job I took without considerable thought. Um, I'm not young. Uh, My family... Is we're it's a close family. Um, we're not universally supportive of it, but are now fully. Why did I take it? I took it. Well, the tipping point for me was when one of my grandsons said to me, "How could you not take the job? How many people get this opportunity?" Um, and he raised the specter, which I haven't spoken of, of being a member of the community. But it, it was beyond his comprehension that being offered the job, I would even consider saying no. Did I want to lose face with Aaron? Not at all. <laughs> so um, that was a piece of it. But it was an opportunity. Um, some of my friends have heard me complaining over the last couple of years that I want something meaningful to do. I've been doing all kinds of things in the community, not that they were without meaning, but I wanted something more substantive, and this is certainly more substantive. The fact that I'm Jewish um, weighed heavily 
on me. I had called. It hadn't actually occurred to me until I called a friend to ask him about a particular issue, a constitutional issue related to the job. And he said to me, the Jewish community will be ecstatic. And I said, really? Um, and that sort of opened the door for me. And lastly, uh, we should talk a bit about your interfaith work that you've done with the Yazidis and the Arab-Jewish uh, dialogue, well, Operation Ezra and, and the Arab-Jewish dialogue. What is your position on Zionism and, and Israel? I don't think I want to speak to that right now, to be perfectly honest. So you said you didn't want to talk about it. So would you then categorize yourself as left, center, right wing? How would you put yourself in terms of where you stand on Israel? I'm not political now. Um, I'm, I'm center left, no question. I don't know what your observance levels or your kashrut level, but I got to ask, what's it going to look like where you live? There are not two kitchens in this government house. I, I do not intend to make it kosher but I do intend to carry on the way I do at home, um, which is I don't serve pork, I don't serve shellfish, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And are you going to have like days off if it's Rosh Hashanah, you won't be working? Are you going to be observing any of that stuff? When I was first appointed, a friend of mine called immediately and said, oh, great to have the breakfast there. Um, so we'll see. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Darlene Horlick in Toronto. She loved our interview with David Frum about the U.S. midterm elections. And we'll end with a little more of what makes Anita Neville tick. She's a volunteer with the Jewish community's Operation Ezra Committee in Winnipeg. They raise money and they sponsor Yazidi refugees to come live in Canada. So in between preparing for Remembrance Day and a rehearsal for the speech from the throne, Neville went to be at the Winnipeg airport on Thursday to welcome a Yazidi teenager, 12-year-old Ayad al-Hussein. He was only five when ISIS captured him and his large family in Iraq in 2014, when the Islamic State set up a caliphate in the area. Many Yazidis were massacred or forcibly made to be soldiers. Yazidis are not Muslims, and ISIS wanted them to convert. It's taken Operation Ezra and the local Yazidi community nearly three years to get Canada to process the paperwork to bring Ayad here. He was reunited with two of his surviving sisters. They hadn't seen him in eight years. No one has heard from their parents or most of the other members of their family. Here's a bit of the emotional reunion when Ayad arrived, thanks to CTV News for the audio. And following work by a multi-faith coalition and the Canadian Yazidi Association, this family is now reunited. He says it still feels like a dream and doesn't really feel real yet. The Dunfield Retirement Residence offers customized living options to complement your independent, active lifestyle. Welcome home. Welcome to the Dunfield. Visit us at thedunfield.com to book a personal tour.